0: The, yeshiva.net. the line starts with sharsha. We're holding the end of the line. It's like 10 15 lines from the bottom. You see, v'sharsha. the line starts with sharsha. The end of the line. The last point Balatanya made in this maimer was that Malchus, true leadership, is one of those things that. Is in the realm of what we, what he associated with the mitzvah of shikha, that the Gemara says, "Chazal say, somebody who pursues covered honor, glory, it runs away from him, and conversely, the definition of real malchus for the person." to be able to be worthy of true leadership, of true royalty. By definition, if the person is so eager for it, it will ultimately, it's its its human, it's normal, it's not, uh, people want it. But that malchus will be flawed. Or we'll put it this way, there will be a lot of challenges to overcome in terms of the person growing into the position. And that's why you see that throughout history, the greatest leaders were reluctant. It was often imposed upon them more by force than by will. The first example, of course, was Moshe Rabbeinu, who tried every way to avoid it, which at first glance is strange. You're getting here an opportunity of a lifetime, from a physical level, from a spiritual level, I mean the creator of the world. so It's not elections of a state or a city or a country. And what the position is, and Hashem is telling you to do it, and you're at tzaddik, how do you refuse? And the answer is because that was his way of doing the mitzvah. If it's like shikha, then not wanting it is the only way that you can ultimately access it, you can ultimately embrace it. Because it's rooted in that place of the soul that we call attic that is beyond the conscious. So if the person is preparing for it and wanting it in their whole life, you know, I'm, I'm, le- I'm going into that position, ultimately it's not that ultimate Malchus, it's not that real Malchus. And David HaMalik himself, as we will see later in the Mimer, he himself was the last choice. He didn't expect it, he didn't want it, he didn't think he's worthy of it. When Shmuel Hanavi came to coronate one of the children of that family, nobody even thought there would be David, the Tanakh says. There were another seven boys. Would have been one of the other seven. There was no, nobody else, so they brought out David. And it's had his own consciousness himself, as, we, as, he, as he brought from Tehillim. David Amalek says... As he explained what type of soul he had. And as a result of that, he can actually experience the gift and the position and the responsibility and the privilege of what we call Malchus. So what what about the
1: fact that Malchus goes to a son and a son knows he can be the middle and he, And that's the way it is. (laughs) Yeah. So the first of the, the first of the lineage, I understand, but once it goes to a son,
0: it's already uh, it's part of the education. <laughs> right. It's part of the education,
1: unless that's unless that's exactly who's trying to be Mauritian. <laughs> that same the power of the original Malchus that we, the first progenitor.
0: <sighs> right. Yeah. In other words, the real ear, the real ear. Will usually have at least something similar to the father in that sense as well.
1: And you see, it, and many times it didn't pursue a straight line of daughters. David had to have a whole uh, something in place to make sure who's going to be at the mouthless. It should be Shlomo.
0: right? Because there was there wasn't was a benyachid, yeah, wasn't a Ben-Yachid. yeah. So now he continues and therefore, based on everything that was explained, when the Beis Mikdash was built and dedicated, and this is the emphasis here, is Beis HaMikdash, the home, the home of the Mikdash, the home the the home of the Mikdash, the bias, the physical home, we explained, is the physical manifestation, not of... The pnimi, which is represented by food, not even the makif hakaroyth, represented by garments, but what he's calling the makif harachak or the makif limakif that is what comes out in the home. So the base HaMikdash, which acts as the makif of makif in minarotzen, which is beyond desire, beyond conscious will and desire, it's a makif even lagabe rotzen. Rotzen lagabe pnimi is already a makif. And this is Levin lagabe it's a makiv. So he says, b'chines keser, it's beyond rotzin, beyond keser. Ve'en simchekla. And therefore, generally, you wouldn't think that joy could be connected to that place. Kemayi mitzvahs, for example, by mitzvah shu ha'adam. A mitzvah which is fulfilled with the desire and the passion of a person. Dixiv the, of the says in Tachas Hashem lo Hashem B'simcha, the Pasuk says b'simcha You haven't served Hashem with simcha Tuvlevov. So some of the mafarshim, like the Rambam and Hilchas Lulav and the Arizal, explain the meaning of the Pasik is that you may have done everything, but you didn't do it with a simcha. You weren't interested. There was no passion. There was no there was no real desire. There was no enthusiasm. On the contrary, we want that the service, the relationship, should be one with joy, with a geshmak, with a and with a will. That's the fuel, the oxygen, the gas that fuels the mitzvah. So over there, it's you, it can be simcha. I plan it, I'm looking forward to it, I'm anticipating it. It's the nature of the relationship, the level of the relationship that can be accompanied with a sense of joy because there is a rotzah in there, there's a passion there. However, and that's why we say HaShakadoshanu B'mitzvah of before you do a mitzvah the chazal instituted to make a bracha and say Asha Kedushanu mitzvah his of he sanctified us or he betrothed us, Kedushanu was of the word kiddushan through the mitzvah mapnesha sharsha mupchinis ratsana alian commershana's bhala. The source, the root of every mitzvah that we perform is Hashem's Rats and Ratsana Aliyan, that's what a mitzvah is. And therefore it becomes aligned with a person's Ratsan. And it's something that can be performed with that sense of of simcha, which comes with rotsin, with with desire, with volition, with a conscious passion, anticipation, and eagerness and enthusiasm. Why
1: is simcha? Corolling?
0: Well, if there's rotzin, there could be a simcha. In other words, I want it. I want this. I'm looking forward to it. When we're dealing with the concept of a Chanukah Sabeis of a dedication, of celebrating, a new home that was built, a base chaimah, says, a house with a chaimah made of stones, and the walls are made of stones, which is Pchinis doimim. avanim, stones, are the lowest in the hierarchy of creation, what we call doimim, the lifeless, the silent, like David HaMelech said, im Vidaimamti. Shashar in our Ratzin commission is by Lail. that which comes down in the lowest. It comes down at the daim because it's rooted in a place beyond simcha. <coughs> Over there, the reality, the experience of Simcha doesn't relate there. Because Simcha, you would think, can only be <coughs> not you would think, Simcha can only be on something that I'm experiencing. What is Simcha? Simcha is an experience of joy. So it has to be something that is manifested in my experience, in my consciousness. But when we're dealing with that which we spoke about, <laughs> you can't be excited to be Mekai mitzvah Shikcha, for example. I'll be and make a bracha, If you make a bracha, you'll never be doing the mitzvah. It's a type of mitzvah that's coming from a place that is deeper than a conscious experience, from a place of Forgetfulness, from a super-conscious space, from Pnimmiyyes HaKes, in Hashem Kabayachal, it's rooted in a place that's deeper than the Ratzain that can be manifested and experienced. So over there, the experience of Simcha is inapplicable, is not applicable. What is Simcha? Simcha is, I'm excited, I'm happy, I'm joyous. And that's why they had to bring in they had to communicate to be mamshech, to draw into that to that place to that realm simcha. <laughs> After the parentheses, v'zel mizmer, shir Chanukas Habayis. That's the deeper meaning behind this kapitel in Tehillim, on which the maimah began with this Pasik from Tehillim kapitel lamet mizmor. It's a song, a, a ballad, shir, a song of Chanukas Habayis of the dedication of the home, to bring in Simcha into the Chanukah, into the dedication, into the structure, the construction and the complete of the destruction of the home, and that's the deeper reason why we make a Mishta feast and a Simcha joy when there's a moving into Anuam, a Chanukah like he started the mime, lohoven atam, Sha'isin Mishtav simcha, b'chanukah sabayez. And he started to say that there's three dimensions, there's mozoin, and there's levushim, and there's baton, there's food, there's garments, and his home. And he went off on the whole discussion of these three things, and so now he's coming back, now we can understand why, by a Chanukah there's a special minig, a special tradition, to make a mishta simcha, Mizmer That's why in this capital Tehillim, it says Mizmer and Shir. Shehu Nira Kafal It seems like redundant. K'mosh Yakasov ba'Alshech, as the Alshech says that Mizmer Shir. It seems like redundant. There's many kapitel Tehillim that start Mizmer, Mizmer ladovit You have a that starts Shir here. You have Mizmer and Shir, so there's a few Kapitlach like that, and you have to understand what's the redundancy. Mizmer is a song, like Zemer, Zim, Zmiris, right? Psukhe de Zimra. And Shir is a song, like Az Yashir, Shira is a song. Vahainu, but now we can understand. Vahainu, Al Hanal, Be Maise de It's similar to what we learned before from the Taysaf de Mesechis Gim, The maisa de the story of the pious person who forgot a shiv, of grain in his field, and when he discovered it, he told his son to bring a special offering in the Beis HaMikdash, an axe for an oil, and axe an for an islam, and his son said why, and what did he answer? He said, to uh, in response to his son's question, why did this mitzvah generate more joy in you than any other mitzvah? So what did he say? That all mitzvahs, Hashem gave us to do, Lidatenu, with our das, and loy Lidatenu. This without our das, because if we would have done it with our das, with our ratsoin, Loy basa mitzvah Zuliyadenu, this mitzvah could have never come to us. This is the quote from Taisefdip earlier. So he now says, just like that story. The son said, Mari, so the small mitzvah the mitzvah Zumikol mitzvahs Chuli, etc. So the kolshekein bechanukas beis hamikdash, Shazau klolus <laughs> pchinazu. Certainly when it wasn't just an individual mitzvah of shikha, but the whole bias of the base Mikdash is being dedicated, which come and represents this very idea, this very pchin, this very dimension of Makif, La So it's not only a Mizmar, it's a Mizmer Shir. In other words, there is even a deeper level of shir. <coughs> because of its greatness, and on the other hand, it needs more, it needs more of ha-mshoch simcha. simcha V'zehu, in the previous parentheses, I skipped, right before this, the line starting at Nitzroch, there's also parentheses, I just didn't want to interrupt the flow, but take a look there. <inaudible> it's connected to the maimer in Sukkot, on the she'avta maim besosem, it's an interesting thing that the they used to pour water, pour wine every single day. Right? When we did the carbona sibur, we always talk about, every carbon sibur, a communal offering came, and sometimes individuals, depends which ones, came with a wine libation. The kayan also poured, there was a cup and he poured wine onto the altar. This was part of the experience. On Sukkot, there was a separate mitzvah called Nisuch Hamayim. Every morning, when they were Makruddin the Shachar, they were together with the wine, they also poured a goblet of water. And they went and they used to draw the water in the early dawn, in the dawn from the Shiloyach, Spring and bring it up to the base HaMikdash and pour it. And in fact, for this, the Pesach says, mayim and You should draw water with joy. And the whole reality of Simchas, what we call Simchas, Beis <coughs> revolved around the drawing of the water. The Simcha, it's also interesting, it's called base. <laughs> now we can understand why it's called base. Simchas, Beis hasheyeva. The Simcha that's connected to the drawing of the water. And a whole night they used to dance in preparation for it to the point that Chazal tell us in Yasim Sukkah, And what was it all connected to? Pouring water. Now ask a regular person what's more joyous? <laughs> Wine or water? <laughs> what makes people more happy? <laughs> you don't hear people saying you know, I'm really stressed out, I'm going to go drink a cup of water. <laughs> uh, to cheer me. To cheer me up. On the contrary, wine, and it's not just by humans. The pasuk says, "Mayim mesameach." The, it's a pasuk in shayftem, in sefer shayftem. Mayim mesameach elakim vaanoshem. The wine, the beverage of wine, brings joy. That's what the pasuk says to God and to people. However, you want to explain what it means mesameach elakim. But you see by sukkas that the focus of simcha revolved around the mayim, after mayim besoson, and this became the greatest simcha, even a regular simcha. So it's a very similar thing. Yayin on its own is connected to simcha. Mayim on its own doesn't seem connected to simcha at all. It's like just a staple of life. You know, it's a cup of water. You drink a cup of water. You don't start dancing. There was the special avodah on Sukkot to bring simcha into the nisah similar to the idea he's saying here that in a bias regularly there's no simcha there was a special union of Mizmer Shir Hanukkah Sabayis to bring Simcha to the bayis. When you make a Hanukkah Sabayis, a special focus on Simcha, as will be explained.
1: There's a little bit of a structural problem. What I mean by that is, you know, we think of Simcha's space or Simcha, because Sukkah is the holiday, the volume told about Simcha Simcha, Simcha, Simcha is the Simcha, Seira. so now we're saying the real Simcha is when there is no Simcha. You know,
0: because
1: then, you know, <coughs> intrinsically there would not be Simcha based on I mean, a base, so therefore David gave it the most Simcha of all. So, whether or not there's no simcha, you always have simcha. Either because it's there, it's part of the nature of the day, or because we have to add it because it's lacking. We don't right. say that Shabbos, because unlike Shabbos, uh, Yantiv, Shabbos doesn't have simcha, Shabbos not. We don't say Shabbos. Okay, we add simcha because Shabbos doesn't have simcha. I mean, you, you sort of can't. Win. When, when? If you don't have simcha, then you do have simcha because you don't
0: have it. It's, it's a, Okay, it's a good question. Who wants you can't be done very you see that like they the basement has walls of stone, and it doesn't make sense. Nobody gets especially excited about stone, but as they say, the some total is much more than the total of the
1: parts. When into a house, that's a special feeling.
0: You see, when people move into a new house, they feel good. They're excited. They're simcha. And,
1: and it's, uh, nobody says, "Oh, it's, it's just planks of wood."
0: There, you know? it's not just planks of wood or rocks. It's it's the summation of it all. It's not two rocks together. It's a whole. It's a whole home. Okay. Good question. Good questions. Let's let's continue a little more I double because
2: um, it's it's a just to have
0: have to look up what the alshich answers. He's just referencing the Shikh as a source for the question why it says Mizmer shir twice.
2: Oh, I,
0: thought, I, thought, I thought the Rav said that uh, because um, it's, a, it's a Simcha for having a regular house. Ah, oh, so the Balatanya is answering the just like by Shekh. The son tells the father, Why are you more happy? And he's saying, I'm more happy because it's something deeper and greater. So here too, he's saying not only Mizmer, but Mizmer shir. In other words, there's a much greater dosage of Simcha. For yeah, which is rooted in a place that's beyond us, as he will explain. V'zehu, and this is the meaning of another Pasek. And here we come to the Megillah of Rus. <clears throat> the end of the book of Rus, which is also read, of course, on Shavuos, or learnt on Shavuos, yeah. <laughs> and even those don't who read it, in the Tikalm Mal they say Megillah of Rus. And the connection of Rus, the story of Rus we all know is, the story of ultimately the great-grandmother of David Melech. Because Rus, who is a Moavite woman, who comes from the gene- genealogy of Lloyd, because Lloyd, as we mentioned in an earlier shear, had relations with his two daughters, and one son that was born was named Amon, and one son that was born was named Mayav, right, which means Mayav from the father, as Chazal point out. And Mayav ultimately fathers a dynasty, which settles in a country called Mayov as well. And Rus will be one of those uh, women who come from that genealogy of Mayev, meaning her great 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 grandfather is Light, and Light's daughter is her great great grandmother. Rus marries a Jewish man. The Pusak in Rus tells us this, Rus tells us a story how a man named Elimelech, who came from a very distinguished dynasty and ultimately traced his roots to the tribe of Yehuda, which was the tribe of royalty, which would become the tribe of David HaMelech, later at a later point in history, Elimelech leaves the region of Eretz Yisrael where he lived, Beis Lechem, and he moves out to Moiv, and his two sons, Machloin and Kilioin, marry two Moavite women, two Moavite women, Rus and Arpa, and the story of Rus takes us from that point because Eli Melech passed away and the two boys Passed away, and Rus and Arpa are two widows, with a third survivor, Naomi, Naomi, the wife of Elimelech, the mother in law of these two daughters, of these two daughters in law. Arpa, she tells Arpa, Go home. You have nothing to be here. Unfortunately, your husband died. Why don't you just go back to your roots and rebuild your life, which Arpa does? And Rus, who she also beseeches to return, back to her roots, refuses to go back to Mayav, and she says, no, I'm going to remain here with you, in the famous words that we also spoke about a few days ago, about a convert that she says, I'm going to be with you, where you die, I die, where you go, I go, where you dwell, I dwell, your people is my people, your God is my God, it says, "Virus says, Batishek Arpa Lachamaysa, Rus Arpa kissed her mother-in-law, but Rus cleaved to her. And then the rest of the story is how they come back to Eretz and now Naomi has to worry, of course, about <laughs> a for, uh for Rus. And what happens after a long and surprising evolution of events, who does Rus marry? Rus actually marries a relative of her first husband, of her deceased husband, a relative of Elimelech, of Elimelech, her her father-in-law, a man named Boyaz. Boyaz, as we know, is a grandson, a great-great-grandson of Peretz, who is one of the twins that Tamar gave birth to when Yehuda was with her. I assume you know the story of Yehuda and Tamar. So Yehuda and Tamar, when they were together, Tamar has twins, Peretz and Zarach, and Peretz will ultimately become a father as well. And his great-great-grandson is Boaz. So Boaz marries Rus. They have a baby named Oived. Oived is the father of Yishai. Yishai is the father of David. So David's grandfather was Ivid. David's great-grandfather was Boyaz. And David's great-grandmother was Rus. Now, this is not just for the story of Rus, which is good to know, but it's also relevant to the discussion that's going to come soon. So the, when the, when the Passover Rus describes the marriage of Rus and Boyaz. So the people bless her. And they say to Boyaz, this is Rus chapter four. May God give that the woman that you're bringing into your house should be like Rachel and Leah, who built the house of Israel. Your home should be like the home of Peretz. Peretz is one of the boys who Tamar gave birth from. From Yehuda, with the father. It's from the children, from the seed that Hashem gives you from this young woman, from this woman Rus', The home should be like the house of Peretz. And Bayez marries Rus, and she has a son, and the son's name is Oived, who becomes the father of Yishai. And the way Rus concludes is with the genealogy. It starts with Yehuda and Tamar. The child is Peretz. So Peretz is the child of Yehuda, and Peretz is the father of a boy named Chetzron. Chetzron is the father of a boy named Ram. Rom is the father of Aminadov, who is the father of Nachshain, the famous Nachshin ben Aminadov. Nachshin is the father of Salma, and Salma is the father of Boyaz. So that's how it goes, Boyaz, Salma, all the way up, Aminadov, <laughs> excuse me, Nachshin, Aminadov, Ram, Chetzerin, and Peretz. And then as we said, Boyaz is Ovid, and Yishai, and David, Yishai, Helad is David, that's how Rus ends. Yishai, Helad is David. So he says, This is the deeper meaning when they bless, your home should be like the house of parrots. Really, they're blessing that you should have a child. They say clearly. But they're saying that the way they're describing the birth of a child is not just, you should, you should be a child from this marriage. There should be a home. The way they're describing the euphemism, the kinui, for the birth of the child, is a home. What's the meaning of this? Because when it comes to children, it's not doesn't depend on schus; it depends on mazel. I'm going to read a few lines here, and then we'll explain when you say schos, it represents the expansion, the expression of the ten divine qualities of atzilos, which represent an ur that is internalized. Haskala, it starts off with seichel, and there's always seichel is schoschuli. There's a seichel, there's a mindset that gravitates to merit. And he doesn't want to finish. There's a, a, a mindset that gravitates L'chayv. schus is merit and chayv is guilty. Over there begins the concept of schus. Avolboni children Shashom lamaylam in ha-seich. They're rooted in a place beyond seich. Hupchines mazala. This is what we call mazal. Shehupchines makif ha'elya. Which is the highest makif. Why is it called mazal? Kipirish mazla. The word mazel, hainu yazel mayim, in Bilam's, in Bilam's poetry, in Parshas Bolak. Yazel mayim, let the water flow. noizle means when water trickles, when water falls, when water flows, it's called noizel, it flows. Mazel, in Hebrew, is the source. Mazel is the mafel, that which causes the flow. Or another possible min it flows from Lebanon. that's why children are called bayis, because it's rooted not in schus but in mazel Is this the
2: one
0: that you mentioned on Shavuot? No, 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 no. That's why we say in Shavuot brachas when you get married. What's the definition of marriage? Ashe Yatsar Es Adam B'Tzalmoi B'Tzalim Dmustav Nisoi VeHiskin Loimimenu Binyan Adeyat VeHiskin Loimimenu He built from Adam a Binyan, a structure, an edifice that is eternal. Again, Binyan Adeyat, a Binyan. Now, this is very, uh, very brief and compact. There's a lot here, so let's try to decipher it. BeEzer Hashem Yisbarach. This begins with a Gemara, a Masech that the Balatanya assumes the reader or the learner knows, like all the Psukim and Mamara Chazal and Bavli, or Shalmi, Kabbalah, etc. But I brought a Gemara so we could uh, actually see it inside. The end of Mayitkaton, Dav Chavches Ahmed Aleph. Uh, it's quite a loaded piece of Gemara. And all the Mepharshim, you know, talk about this. Rashi, Toisvis, other Rishonim. Omar, Ravi said, Chaye, Bona, Umezoyna. Lav b'schus atal yamilsa, ala b'mazol talya yamilsa. said, when it comes to Chaye, Chaye is life. How long a person is going to live, a person's health, etc. bonne, a person's children. Everything connected to their children. How many children, the nature of the child, the quality of the child, the experience with the child. And the third thing is Muzoyna. Parnasa sustenance. As Diritvas says, basically you got everything here. Chaye mezayne, he says all the blessings in the world are either connected to children, family, or it's connected to health and life, or it's connected to Parnasa, to livelihood. I mean one of the two. When you say life, it's not just a person is alive, it's health. So that's physical health and of course emotional health and mental health, etc., etc. Diritva says this is basically all the taivas all the taivashabhar. So Rav says these three things, but this one says, eh? These are big words. It does not depend on a person's schus, on a person's merit. It depends on mazel. Now the way you read it literally is, nothing to do, you're a good guy, you're not a good guy, you have merits. It's called mazel. That's how you read it. It's a Mazol thing. This one has this child, so does this child, so does this parnos. Now right away when you read this, it's like, so why does the Torah talk about, you know, reward for this week's Parsha? I mean, Schar of and so forth. How are we to reconcile? He's just, he's like saying, nothing to do. It just has to do with Mazol. Now, what does really mazel even mean? What does the word mazel, By, In the human vocabulary, mazel just means like, you know, it's, it's a lot, of, it's a jackpot. The guy has mazel, the guy has luck. What, what, what does that mean? What, is that a real thing? Is, that, is Rav saying it's all random? Rav is not saying it's all random. He's saying be mazel italiamis. And then Rav illustrates, he says, and I'll tell you how I know. Well, he doesn't say this is how I know, but he says, I'm going to show it to you. He says, there were two people. His teachers, he knew them, Rabbi and Travayu Rabbon and I can tell you about both of them. They were sages and they were tzadikim. When there was famine, Rabbah davened for rain and it rained. Reb Chizda for rain and it rained. <coughs> Reb lives ninety-two years, and Rabba lives forty years. So Rabba says, "Why?" Why? Why? What's the fairness? He gets to live ninety-two years. He gets to live forty years. They're both tzaddik It's a different calculation. It says Reb observed sixty marriage festivities in his family. Sixty marriage festivities. Shishim be'ilula he observed of children and grandchildren and all that. Sixty marriages. Ninety-two years. 92 years, so. And he said, and Rabbi throughout his lifetime experienced 60 events of grief. 60 events of mourning, Rabbi in his life. He says, they used to serve, and they used to serve the most expensive bread, from fine flour, even to the dogs. That's how much richness there was. Even the dogs had the greatest delicacies. And the dogs didn't even eat up the bread. That's how much abundance there was. The dog shouldn't finish a meal. That's a chiddush. And Rabba, even barley bread, which was considered a cheap bread, animal fodder at the time, oh, they also couldn't find enough. That was Rabba's house. So he says, if you looked at both of them, tzaddikim. If you look at schus and you want to say, oh, he did this, he did that, Rabba said, you're barking up the wrong tree. Now, this in itself is a very powerful idea. You know, sometimes people look, must have been thus. Like Rabbi says, you really do not f- have this life figured out. If you think you understand why this person is experiencing this in life and this person, <laughs> I mean, Rabbi said this. That the calculations that people naturally give, you know, moral calculations with he says, it's completely, you're, you're completely off the mark. And then Rabbi says about, Rabbi says about himself, there were three things that I asked from heaven. I wanted. Two they gave me, and number three they didn't give me. I asked for the wisdom of Ribhuna and the wealth of Ribchizda. We spoke about Ribkhizdah's wealth. And I also asked for the humility of Rabbah, the son of Ribbunna. He says, the first two they gave me. They gave me the wisdom of Ribhuna and the wealth of Ribchizda. But the humility of Rabba Rabhuna that I couldn't get. Quite interesting, huh? He said that I never got. I couldn't get that humility. He wanted it, but he couldn't get it.
2: Maybe that would have been his own work. Huh? Maybe it's in
0: Banachai Yeah, that's what he says. That's what he says. You have to forget to get this Israel. Oh, Ain Ma what about Ain Mausalis Ro? That's the question. you have to forget to get that Ah? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what Ravis says. And then the Gemara goes off to continue continuous sugya about these uh, these concepts. This is what the Balatanya is quoting here when he says lav He's quoting Rav, from the Gemara on the, uh uh the, almost at the end of Moyat Katan, or well, at the end. Yeah, one page before the end. Now, before we get into what the Ma'amar is saying, because he, he's saying something very uh, intense here. To put it mildly, let's just do with the traditional what they explain the bush to get the full picture of it. So the mafarshim struggle with this. Does Rava really mean that a person's behavior will never impact his life? Nothing. So a person say, "I want to give tzedakah, I want to learn more, etc., etc." Does Rava really say that? It would be very hard to think that Rava actually says that. Then there's the famous Gemara. There's a machleikas in Masech Shabbos, a very famous machleikas, Reb Hanin and Reb Yochanan. Reb Chanine says, yes, mazal Yisrael, and Reb Yochanan says, ain mazal Yisrael. In other words, the concept of mazal, ain mazal, is, is rather arguing with Reb Yochanan and saying, there's absolutely a mazal. Not only is it absolutely a mazal, the most important things are based on the mazal. Is he arguing with that? Or he agrees with them? What does the word even "mazel" mean? So Rashi discusses this, and Tosfos discusses this, and other Rishayanim discuss this. I would I would say that even though there's variations in this one, but the consensus is as follows: that the concept of mazel. There's also a famous essay by of Eli, Eliyahu Dessler. Rev Dessler, a famous Balmusi has a svar mitzvah of I think in. Uh, one of the volumes over there, the volume four, one of the later volumes, he has a long discussion on this Gemara. What does the word Mazel mean? Generally, Mazel has to do with the constellations. The constellations, what we call the zodiac. The way the Rambam describes in Hilchas Kedish is that already thousands of years ago, they, the astronomers who started to map out the sky noticed that in the perceived orbit of the sun around the earth, there is a backdrop that one can perceive in different months of the year, a backdrop of stars. The month of Nisan, April, is associated with the zodiac that we call Tle, which is the sheep. The month of May year is associated with a zodiac called Shoir. Arius and Taurus, a bull. Seven June is associated with Gemini twins. It was shapes of the stars that had div- different images, and it goes to all the twelve. Yeah, this is completely irrelevant to the question of the Earth orbiting around the Moon, or the Sun. The Earth orbiting around the Sun, or the Sun orbiting around the Earth. No matter what, however you want to define it, it's completely irrelevant that discussion. As this orbit happens, yeah. Every month, behind the backdrop of the sun, we can't see by day the stars. But if you would be able to see by day the stars, and by night you do, (laughs) you'd notice that the sun is being, is is is, so to speak, orbiting in front of this backdrop of stars that have this image, which they saw in a tremendous significance. Uh, Yeah, 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 even though it's a little different because of the amount of years, but it's still... uh... Not a six month back and forth. 12. Those are the names in Hebrew for the mazalis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Northern hemisphere. <laughs> they saw in a tremendous significance. Yeah. Known as astrology. Then there's another Indian, and that has to do with the hours of the day. They also associated with different mazalas. So therefore when a person was day, which day you were born, which month you were born, which hour you were born. Yeah. And that's associated with a certain star, with a certain constellation, with a certain shape. That's how they used to teach mazalas. Mazalas were those constellations of stars. So Reb hanina said, Yes mazal Yisrael. these mazalas affect the Jewish people. People's natures, people's dispositions, people's experiences in life. Rabbi Yochanan says, Nah, ain't mazal Yisra. All these mazalas have nothing on the Jewish people. <coughs> Comes Rava here and says, that B'nechayim Mazayin, don't think it has to do with your schusim. It has to do with your mazal. And he proves it from Rabbi and Ipchizda, and then he speaks about what he asked for. But here there's something strange. If you really believe that B'nechayim Mazayin is all mazal, why are you asking for it? Why are you asking for wisdom? Why are you asking for wealth? Wealth has to do with Chaya, with Mazoina. <laughs> so you are asking for it. So it's not Mamash mazel. So that means you could believe that, you could think that there could be change. There could be change. I As
1: always, it's the There's a connection between the constellation
0: What's the connection? <laughs> Well, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. Is it,
1: law? Is it science?
0: Is it- I wouldn't call it science. <laughs> He's like, why would anybody associate the constellation of the stars with a person's uh, mazel here on the world? What's the relationship?
2: I saw over the generations that certain people, that people born under certain constellations had certain...
0: Patterns. It's not heart science, but they were identifying as certain people's dispositions, characters, weaknesses, strengths, etc. So they tried to make these connections. So it's very, very elaborate and detailed. And the Gemara and Shabbos, Davkof goes through a whole thing. If you're born on Sunday, you are this. And if you're born on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, this hour, that hour. It's like a whole uh, mice. Okay, So the way it's understood generally is that it's not it's a random thing of luck. Rather it means that it's all by providence. I'm talking from a Jewish perspective. I'm not talking about secular astrology. It's by divine providence. What do we mean by divine providence? Every person, and this Rav Dessler explains I think at length in Michtav Melio, every person has a certain mission in this world. When you say mazel, it doesn't mean stomps like we say mazel, yet mazel. Mazel means that there's certain dimensions of a person's life that are based on the particular mission that this person has. Because it's based on a particular mission this person has, so therefore everything in their life is associated with that mission. So they have certain strengths, they have certain vices, certain gifts, certain challenges, in order to be able to do what you have to do in the world. So the mazel really just represents the persons being born in that time and in that place, just like you're born to a certain family and you're born in a certain period of history. You're also born in a certain month and in a certain day and in a certain hour and in a certain place. And it's all somehow connected to who you are in this world and to who you have to become in this world. And much of these things we don't choose, because they're there, you know, it's pre-making uh, its pre, pre making any choices. You don't choose who your mother is, and you don't choose where you're born, and you don't choose if you're born a male or a female. And that's why it's called mazel. Mazel is basically the source of the flow. It's almost like you have a flow that's given to you. Like the Gemariah says, 40 days before the Vlad, in the beginning of Sait, they announce Bas ploni leploni. Yeah, This daughter goes to... All these types of things. The Gemariah says in that a Malach, Hamamunah la brings the sperm to God and says, this tippa, this embryo, this fetus, should it be wise? Should it be foolish? Should it be strong? Should it be weak? Should it be rich? Should it be poor? All these types of things. It's basically like the trickle, the muzzle, the flow that is designated for this particular soul, for this particular body. What is the flow that comes to you? And that's basically a person's life's experience and so forth. Now, where does tefillah come in? Where does Torah come in? Tshuvah, ma'isim tefillah. We say Rosh Hashanah, we scream, with Tshuvah, Tzvillah, Tzdukah, so the Rishonim explained, the Rish, Rashi and Toses about Ravah that it's not pshat, yeah, it's not pshat that uh mazel is absolute. God is in charge of the mazel. In other words, God chose it. And therefore, a person's behavior, a person's tefillah, a person's maizim toivim, can sometimes change things, alter things, enhance it, make it this way, make it that way. So that's what they say. They say it even in, Reb, in Rebchanina. When Ebchadinah says, yesh mazal yisrael, he means there is mazal, but it's not fixed and permanent and entrenched and you remain a victim to it. The mazal doesn't have its own independent reality, like we learned in the Maim of Yadaita. It's the axe in the hand of the, of the, the chopper. The Geizen. So maybe yes, the tool is this muzzle and the influence that this star represents, but it's all basically just—it's an axe in the hand of the chopper. The chopper is deciding it at every single moment, and therefore the muzzle is never fixed. But it's a muzzle mean? Huh? That source, the, the... There's a flow. Yeah, it's a flow. It's not just uh you're a victim to it, and that's it. What is,
2: so what is the muzzle that's described as something that requires some great uh, event?
0: To change it, there's a, there's... Oh, so that's why even those who say Yesh Mazal Yisrael, right? The says, person is going to start living their whole lives by astrological signs and driving themselves crazy. It means they turn the astrology itself into an zara. The Mazal itself is like responsible for life's events, and that's completely antithetical to Judaism. However, one one, if one embraces the view of Reb Hanine, yesh mazal Yisrael, the view of Reb Yochanan, ain't mazal Yisrael. There are even those who say, I'm looking here in the Horus, Rashi holds that Reb Reb Yochanan, even Reb Yochanan who says, ein mazal Yisrael, Rashi holds, Reb Yochanan doesn't mean there's no mazal. He means that through Tfilah and schos, you can change the mazel, you can expand the mazel, you can alter the mazel. Comes Toisves, and Toisves says, "Don't think." Toisves asks, "How can Rava say b'mazal italy milsa Shabbos, Does Rava argue with Rabbi Yochanan? The lepa'amim meshtane al Yede s'chus gadol. Rav knows that a schus can change. That's Pat ain mazal song. But generally, there's a certain mazal. That's what Rav is telling us. That's how Toisvis learns the Gemara. And sometimes it doesn't change. Sometimes it doesn't change. Rebbe Pedas was very, very poor, and he asked God, what's going on? And God says, for me to make you rich, the whole world has to be destroyed. So it's like somehow this is essential to the whole plan to the whole process. I ah, he was a big tzaddik. Sometimes it doesn't change, and that's Rav's point that there were people who had great tzchusim, but something is about the Muslim. Okay, so this is generally how the mafarshim deal with it. Rashi, Toisfus a sugi and Shabbos and a sugi here. Shabbos kufanu v'vomayt katan The Balatanya is now bringing us to a deeper layer in this. So to understand what this really means. So what is Rava really telling us? What's the feeling? What's the what's the conclusion of what we learned from Rava? Basically, yeah, Rava is a erlechayid. this tefillah, as Tosfos says. There's a schus. Things could be changed. It's not etched in stone, immutable for eternity. Nothing will ever change. This is the muzzle a person has. Call it a bad or unfortunate mazel, and that's it. It doesn't work that way. Even according to Rav, even if you say yes is Yisrael. And Rabbi Yochan also says ain mazel, at least according to Rashi, doesn't mean there's completely no mazel. It means what? It means that it's not fixed. You don't have to be afraid of it. And Rava doesn't necessarily argue, but he's saying it doesn't always work. Sometimes it can work, sometimes it doesn't work. So what does this leave us with? <laughs> A sense of optimism or pessimism? Excuse me, I just have a little cough. The words that we say, he has good mazel, he has bad mazel, that's already, uh, that's just vocabulary. What does it really mean? What makes you have good mazel? You say, nothing, nothing, it's just, it's called fate, it's called, you, you won the lottery. So the Balatanya is saying here, It's much deeper. Mazel refers to the Makif l'makif. That's what Mazel refers to. It's back to the whole discussion we're talking about. L'mayla Menadas, L'mayla Menarotzen. It's not Mazel is <laughs> Nebach. You fell into some uh, to some trap. You were born. What do they say? They say sometimes on the news, you know, a tree fell on a car. He was in the wrong time in the wrong place, okay? Bad mazel, it's called. It's not so that mazzle is some random thing a person fell into. The vart is, mazal represents where I belong, that which is connected to my soul, but not necessarily in a conscious way that is associated with my das. It's rooted in a place that is completely deeper than the I that I'm conscious of. It's rooted in the quintessence, which means in the core of the core of the I. Not just Ratzin, but in a place that's deeper than Ratsan, not because it's less me, but because it's actually the core of me, that which I cannot process consciously. And that's the difference between schus and Mazel. Schus, you have a besden those be mazaka or That's always a conscious process. There's a way of looking at something in a positive way. There's a way of looking at something in a different way. And the question is, which prevails? Like, for example, you have a plaintiff, or you have somebody in court, a defendant, a plaintiff, and then the question is, is he zakai, is he innocent, or is he guilty? So there'll be a seichel l'schus, there'll be a seichel There'll be a judge who will say innocent, The judge will say guilty. And then they'll have to vote. Sometimes they'll have a debate internally, and some judges will convince the other ones, and the verdict will be perhaps unanimous or not unanimous, whatever the situation is. Schus, spiritually speaking, now, that's how it is down here. Spiritually speaking, he says, schus relates to the way the divine energy is processed through the spheres. And here there's chesed and there's gvura, and the chesed can prevail over the Gvura. The chachma can prevail over the bina. This already begins the process where there is what we call conscious ishtalshalas. Mazel is the that which is mozel, it's the source from where everything trickles down from. What is that? That's the mucker, the ultimate source which we call makif for which is beyond seichel. In other words, I don't always have an explanation, not because it's not connected to me and it's random, because it's so deeply connected to me. It's connected to the eye that is rooted in God's eye that transcends any form of manifestation into any form of consciousness, even not a level of Ratzin, which we call Sev of Kalamon, which is the lower level of Makov. That's what Mazel means. So Rav is teaching something very, very profound in life. You look at your children. Here he's talking about children. It's also true about other aspects of life. And so much of our children's lives could be somehow predictable. And that's what education is. Education means an art of communication. How do you educate? How do you mentor? And education has rules. Education is a sugya shlema in halacha, in torah, in nigla, in the world, la havdil. Education is a big sugya. Rules of education, models of education, how to deal with different types of children, how to understand your children. Great educators, great pedagogues require tremendous training and tremendous skills and tremendous sensitivity and understanding the souls of children. And most importantly, the diversity of children. What works for this child will be ineffective for this child. Maybe what is constructive for this child will be destructive for this child. One of our greatest challenges in the world of education is, somehow, sometimes, one size fits all. Either you fit in or you don't fit in. This is the cookie cutter. You fit into the cookie cutter, you don't fit into the cookie cutter. And if you don't fit into the cookie cutter, va voi. But we all know real education must always be chayis p'nimi. Mosein. I have to feed you. I can't feed me. Feed you means I have to know your body. If I have to teach you tight, I have to know your soul. I have to feed you. That's one dimension of children. Comes Rav and teaches us, but there's a dimension you have to understand that is not connected to schus. Not your schus and not anybody else's schus. It's connected to mazal the Italian mills. And what is mazal? Mazal has to do with that which is lamailam in hadas or lemailam in what does this mean in a person's life then? What does this mean in a person's life? It's, it begins with marriage. Children come from marriage. How do you define marriage? When they're talking about marriage, they keep on talking about building a home. The Gemara says in Shabbos, Rabbi Yossi said, I never called my wife wife. What did I call her? I called her my home. Why? What's wrong with calling your wife wife? <laughs> Such a bad word when the Torah wants to describe the Kohen Gadol, it doesn't say, He atoned for him and for his wife. What's wrong? He said confession for himself. He sinned and his wife may have sinned. No. Says the Mishnah, And from here we know that a Kohen Gadol has to be married. You can't, can't do that if you're not married. It's part of the qualities of marriage. It's part of the qualifications of the Kohen Gadol, I mean. It's not part of the qualifications of marriage part of the qualifications of being a kind godnya kipper basis what does this what does this all uh, bring us to the same thing as in marriage yeah a person how do you get married you choose right the matan cup okay or hopefully okay I know in some places your parents choose but what but if it's healthy, good, loving parents, what's their choice based on? What would be good for my daughter? What would be good for my son? Hopefully they'll be right. In many cases they're right. We know that none doesn't work in all situations. But that's not our discussion today. But the the basis is you have to find a suitable partner. Which means personality, most important values, middais, Shemayan. You're looking for a person... Whom you could walk with and hold hands through the journeys of life, which are fluctuating. Life is a journey. It's a complex journey. It's an exciting journey, and you want that person. Yeah. As youngsters, when we choose, do we always know everything? We usually know very little. <laughs> but hopefully, if you were in somewhat of a healthy place and a functional place, and you know yourself, at least you got some of the basics right, or many of the basics right. Chas v'shalom. Sometimes not. But the point is, a person anticipates. What are you functioning with when you're making this choice? You're functioning with your identity. What works for me, what I like, what I appreciate. What type of spouse do I want? What type of parent for my children do I want? What type of relationship do I want? What type of home do we want? These are the very important things. How do I feel about the other person? Is there a sense of attraction? Is there camaraderie? Can there be trust here? Is this the person you want to build your life with? There's no way that in dating, even if you date for a long time, you know everything about the other person. That's, that's fictional. Doesn't happen. Even if you marry 20 years, you barely start getting to know your spouse. Right? Maybe after a half a century, you get to know a couple of things. I don't know. I'm not there yet, but we have to speak to the, to those who are more experienced, how much you get to really understand. Huh? He's laughing. You say nothing. You're almost there. No, no, no. Still many surprises, okay? Baruch Hashem. Okay? May there be many more surprises. Okay, so, and this is the normal thing. Who am? What am I going to decide with your mind? I have to decide with my mind. (laughs) I remember I was dating my wife, so the shatkin calls me up and says, no, no, no. Time to make a decision. It was an aunt of mine. So I said, you know, if you want, you could marry her. Don't tell me to make a decision on my expense when I have to deal with it. If you want to make a decision, make a decision. You can't tell other people to make a decision. (laughs) But they have to deal with it. It's not fair to put pressure on people. You know, a person has to come to it. You have to realize if this is, that's all true. But there's another element. (laughs) And that's the element of makif la makif. There's an element in the choice that you can't choose. You're not going to choose consciously, and if you try to choose it consciously, it's going to be limited to your consciousness. But there's an element in the relationship that completely transcends your consciousness.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's the maimer the Balatanya taught us. We learned uh, last two years ago, I think, in Parshas Vayetze. Right, Yaakov chooses Rachel, but who does he marry? He marries Leah. It's not a mistake. <laughs> it's a mistake. Nebach. It's the story of life. It's the story of life. <laughs> I choose Rachel. Rachel is your fast toy Maya. Why shouldn't you choose Rachel? She's beautiful on every level. But who does Yaakov end up marrying? He marries Leah. What does this represent spiritually? That there's two elements in marriage. With the same woman I'm talking about. There's the element that I consciously chose... There's another element back to shikha. I also chose, but how do I choose it? I choose it without knowing that I choose it. It's connected to girdle. In fact, mi idea, I can't know that I chose it. Because if I know that I'm choosing it, it's a choice that's limited and filtered through my limited das, which is not really who I am. It's just a finite aspect of who I am. Because what I know about me is never me. Because the core of the me is never what I know. Because what I know about me is the way my me is being processed consciously through my mind. How much of you is that, do you think? Not because of Freudian, uh, the Freudian idea of repression, that we really repress. And if you would just do enough therapy, you would really find that who you are. That's true in life. That there's a lot of things that I don't know because I'm not ready to know. Because <laughs> I don't want to know. I once asked somebody for advice, and he says, do you want me to tell you the truth, or do you want me to tell you what you want to hear? <laughs> so usually most people, when you ask them this question, they say, of course I want to hear the truth. But try telling it to them, and you just created an enemy. I don't want to hear the truth, I want to hear what I want to hear. If I would want to hear the truth... <laughs> Sometimes you know the truth. I came for advice because I knew the truth, but I don't want to hear it. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll tell me something else. So that's, push it, if I'll be a little more open to myself and do some work, I'll find out who I am. That's true, but there's a deeper truth. That which is unconscious, not because I repressed it, because it's beyond consciousness. Panimia sakasir is not repressed. <laughs> it's not repressed. It's beyond Ishtalsalos. The Gemara says in Megillah, Dav Gimel, Afal The Gemara speaks there about Daniel that people were trembling, they didn't see. It says he didn't see his mazel saw. What does that mean? Well my mazel saw? Well, I didn't see? My mazel saw. So who's in therapy? Me or my mazel? <laughs> I, so there's two parts of me now. So what do we believe? in? Everybody is schizophrenic. It's a very deep concept. Afal gav di'i uley chaza Afal gav yada yada means on one level, I don't know that I saw it. But ooh, that I see it. <laughs> I saw it in a way that is even deeper than if I would have seen it. And that's why I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it because... Just like we all know with in physical sight, for you to be able to see something, the wave, the the lave, the the wavelength, the frequency of the light has to be one that can be absorbed by your retina and interpreted by the brain in a particular way. There are certain things we can't see, not because they're not there, but because our calem are limited. There are animals that see things we don't see. There are colors that we can't see, not because they're not there. Because we don't have the vessels, the instruments, to be able to absorb it, but they're they're fully present. So you get the benefit of the mazal
2: yashle mazal, and you can't kill the man because he's got a. So he gets the benefit it even if it's unconscious. It's easy to kill an animal because he doesn't have.
0: The Gemara Baba Adam mazola. You saying.
2: that's the concept of I get the benefit of it even if I don't.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So marriage vehiscula menu binyanat marriage has three levels. There's a level of marriage mozoin, the food. That's one level. That's the level of marriage that you can digest, like you can actually eat it. I don't mean you should eat this spouse. I mean you can eat the marriage. It's that which is me. It's my choice, because it suits me like a hand in a glove. You know, you say, this couple, (laughs) perfect match. Like the callous like to say, I could, he could finish my sentences. No, wow, you could manage to do each other's sentences. All women finish sentences, but is it the the sentence that he actually wanted to say? Then there's a level of marriage that has to do with Rotzan. Lavush, saiviv. That's even a deeper level. That's the makif of marriage. Your desires are in the same place. Not your personalities, but your desires. In a way, it's less internalized, but it's more powerful. Because that's really the key. That's called saiviv kalam. The saiviv of the house. The makif. What we call the garments. The blanket encompasses both of them. They're under the same blanket. They're under the same lavush. And it's in Halacha too. The Gemara says in Ksuvas, it's very deep how the Halacha and the nister fit here. Who bevigda bevigda, If he insists to remain in his cloak and she insists to remain in her cloak, sp- we know what it means physically. But spiritually, what does it mean? I will remain in my lavush, in my makif, and you'll remain in your makif. It can't be a marriage. There has to be one makif. Which is what a chuppah is. A marriage is created through a chuppah. Nisuyin. You need the makif. What's the makif? The makif is there's something that transcends both of you, and but you're both committed to it. That's what keeps a marriage. That's what keeps a marriage's longevity. What's the issue with many secular marriages? What are they missing? They're missing love. They dated for seven years. 6 years, 4 years. They claim there's a lot of love. So what happens? Huh? Uh, what happens is you get bored of people's personalities. There's disagreements, people change, financial situations change, psychology changes, physique changes, circumstances change. It's very tough. Life is tough. He wants this, she wants this, he wants to climb the corporate ladder, she wants to be domesticated, he's traveling, he wants to make money, she has her agendas, he wants men. There's so many disagreements that can happen. Other women can come into the picture, other men can come into the picture. I don't have to elaborate. What was missing? They only had the muslin. <laughs> the muslin means it worked for me, it worked for you. Five years later, it doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for you. As people always say, I uh, uh, I evolved or devolved sometimes. What's the makif? The makif is very deep. Makif means there's an over um, overarching purpose, yeah. Or to put it in simple English, there's a commitment that is unwavering to the institution of marriage. That's what we call a commitment that's unwavering. Now, it can't, it doesn't always work. Unfortunately, there are situations, some of us know well, that different, different situations that are, that even with great commitments, unfortunately, sometimes things don't work. But in many cases, the majority of cases, this is what secures it. Why? Food depletes after a few hours. The more makif, the less internal, but the more enduring. In a relationship too. There's a commitment to a certain plan, to certain values. In simple Jewish language, it's a commitment to the and Hashem. It sounds, for some people, very boring, religious, and archaic, but it's it's the stuff of a relationship. It's 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 commitment to, to to your children, to the value of family, to the value of marriage, to the holiness of a family. If you don't have that, if you don't believe that a family is a holy entity, that marriage is a holy entity, how much are you going to sacrifice for it? I can't blame a lot of people. They say, what do you want? Why should I be miserable? Like, it's not working. We're fighting all day. Let's just move out. Yeah, but there's kids. Fine, so the kids will have to figure it out. I should be miserable for my kids. What does Judy... is And let them grow up, yeah. You know the, the old joke, right? Uh, a guy is 104 and his wife is 98 and they come to the road for a divorce. So he says, how long were you married? 89 years. 89 years, you're getting divorced? Yeah, we, were, we waited till the last of the kids died. Okay, very sensitive, very sensitive couple. Fine, it's a joke. but uh, But what's the point here? The point here is, when there is a very deep commitment to a makiv, right, it will bring out a relationship that is deeper. It's not that you're supposed to stay miserable for the sake of your family. No. When the commitment to, to marriage is so deep, it allows you to find ways in which you're connected. Again, there are exceptions. I'm not talking about when there's abuse and there's sometimes terrible mental illness. I'm not talking about situations that are very, very for- unfortunate and sad I'm not now discussing every marriage. I, you have to be very sensitive here. Every case is a, is a case. But this is a concept you understand. Makif, it's not Pnimi. But I'm not in the mood. So you're not in the mood. So what? So what? You're not in the mood. It's another good joke. A Yid comes to a Rav and he says, Ich will I get? I, I can't do it. Ich will I get? He's screaming. Rav says, vil He's screaming. <laughs> you know, UN Columbus discovered America. You're the only one. I'm the only one. <laughs> Fine. I'm glad that not all of you were laughing. In other words, some of you can't relate to this. Baruch Hashem. You're, you're the romantic ones. It should always be that way. It should always be that way. yeah, But that's all conscious makif. Rotsin is conscious. Simcha. There's something else. The binyanade. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll continue Bezer Hashem tomorrow. I went beyond my limits here. I didn't forget your question about the Simcha. I didn't forget your question about the But in terms of Simcha,
1: I see all the ideas were just so, so powerful. Yeah, I remember I just spoke once about uh, that the terrific uh, thing about the uh, five love languages in terms of marriage and the approach to Borshon. This really lends itself to its own sheer in terms of marriage as, as Makif, uh, Muslim. It's just, I yeah. just...
0: The Mazen, like the Maqif. It and it the Makif for Makif, yea?
1: Yeah. But what you said about Simcha, and, that simcha doesn't come from the highest place. Comes something which doesn't have simcha. Simcha is from is, and therefore he needed to add. By the, the, yeah. the, the highest comes from the, high, from the highest. Yeah. Place. So I just wonder if he says anywhere that idea about Shabbos. I'm still working about the Rambans on Shabbos. In the last couple of weeks, my by, 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 That's why I initially in terms of Shabbos not intrinsically having simcha its, its connection being someplace higher, to, to, you know, to, to Kesser, to Atik Yom. I, mean, I don't know. I just wonder if he says that if it comes down to any Mamarim. He,
0: he does, he does, he yeah.
1: He does. And that's why it doesn't have a natural Simcha.
0: Because yom it says a mitzvah of Simcha. Shabbos is not so right. partial. So I'm curious if he has it in the Shabbos. Yeah, yeah, it's it. clearly, clearly. clearly. Yeah. The idea here is going to be not that there's no Simcha. That you have to discover the Simcha. In other words, naturally it can be divorced from simcha, but really there's more simcha, but it has to be discovered. In other words, it's not just a uh, easy easy route. That's going to be the point. It's like the mi idea. You understand mi idea uh, there's deep simcha, but you have to discover it. It's not...
1: Uh, you
0: have to go through a transformation of paradigms. That's going to be the point. Sometimes to experience the simcha, you have to transform all your paradigms. You have to open yourself up to something that you were not ready to be open to. Because if you were ready to be open to it, it wouldn't have been that. So that's a whole different... uh we were talking about beautiful. the mouth, huh? I don't know about the The well, Goidol, yeah, it's all connected, yeah, it's all connected. It's a of
1: Yitzhak and, and told us that uh, when we discovered Yitzhak, that's when we, as we uh, mentioned to Neil, the whole thing. We talked about uh, the relationship of uh, Yitzhak with Asa, we spoke with this.
0: Also, Makif. That the makif of Asaph was very holy, but not the Pnimi. That's yeah. what
1: he brought it, the Masoluq Quran. Before
2: you, Rabbi, Welcome. Welcome. I want to introduce you to Salaam so so nice alaykum. Joey thank Greenberg,
0: you. nice to meet you too. How are you? Welcome. I,
2: yeah. I spend a lot, a lot of time listening to you. It's very. It's a,
0: so you know me, you. but I don't know you.
2: I know you. you very well. I mean, I, you do know him. He's I the do. one who made.
0: Oh, this. thank you. Yes. I know your work.
2: you understand? So you're
0: related. Friend.
2: He's my brother
0: could I explain to you how to
2: what it means, but how to how to understand it? The six these are the six mitzvos to medios, yeah. having to do with the heart by hand signals. There is one, no other love, awe, and not to stray. The brackets on the side of the heart. And then the heroes are uh, six heroes Ma- These are the Magen of is three mem, 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 mem. Is so Mamremitziyus Mitzrayim and Miriam, soak and Harba and then you have in the middle you have about Malik Sinai and Shabbos, Ayin Tzamaf and Shin, and then you have the thirteen Mamans.
0: mamins. you live in Minnesota. Where yeah. do you live?
2: Yeah.
0: So you're visiting.
2: Yeah. yeah. You want to send, you want to send
0: your brother-in-law speaks very highly of <laughs> you.
2: He's. What is
0: your profession? I'm a doctor. What field of medicine? Um,
2: generally, I work in a hospital. I started out in surgery, but I I I, I work in a hospital. I take care of patients that are on ventilators, traumatic brain mm. injury.
0: In Saint Paul, uh
2: huh? Exactly. You oh. know Feller.
0: Rabbi Moshe, yeah. And his son also.
2: Yeah, yeah. Menach, uh,
0: Mendel. Mendel, yeah. Kvaldik. she have a lot of Okay, and I hear they have time to learn also. You have to yes, learn yes, to yes. learn also. Gavaldik, lot of Pleasure to conscious. meet you. Mazel. Super conscious. Let's call it super conscious. It, but you you, you don't, really you don't want to change it. It's not it's not sense. Sense. Yeah, you actually want to work with the confidence that, you're that you're the the chair chair give. you given. You want to it. You, you it's deep stuff, deep stuff. <laughs> I actually found know, the paradigm that uh, explains to me better yes. the union you of knowledge. It's
1: The ownership of knowledge and imagination. Knowledge is deep, it's charm, it's uniqueness. But imagination is magic. it's a fountain, it's a That's why... It
0: floats. It floats. That's why uh, Einstein is always saying the main thing is imagination. You know. Very good.
1: About well, it's and also, the market, the market, I found that works really, I don't know if it's true or not. When you have a bias, it's a when you, have then you can do That's
0: it's true. That's a good word. It's that the core is at ease.
1: You, you can, you can it your own way.
0: The core is at ease very good the bias is your core and when you have a home that's at ease there's a safety there's a security whether it's as a child or as a marriage or family then you can uh, imagine experience your knowledge you can have the other two beautiful I think that's powerful yeah yes yes thank you very good beautiful beautiful Sometimes you got to split to come together.
1: Somebody said that sometimes <laughs> it takes a divorce to come back to a real soulmate.
0: Sometimes too. Sometimes a divorce is the prerequisite. Unfortunately, but sometimes it's that way. Sometimes couples have to be close to a divorce to get back together. They have to be able to experience separateness in order to come back. You know what I mean? They have to be able to choose the relationship. Sometimes in some couples, they're like in it, but they're like stuck. When they could both feel not stuck and actually imagine life without the other, then they can choose. You know what I mean? It's 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 a, it's a serious thing. Sometimes they have to be able to imagine life without the other, which is painful because it speaks about separation, but it allows them then to say, hmm, wow, so there is a me without the marriage. Do I want that me? And maybe I want the me of the marriage. So, But then it's a healthier choice because you're not stuck. And that's a blessing if you could do that without the actual separation.
1: Live on the edge.
0: Yeah, well, if 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 a marriage is so forced, then you can never experience the bliss because you like you're just like stuck, and there's no other option. When the Torah when the Torah legislates the options for divorce, it's for a reason. Even if a person doesn't get divorced, it's part of the equation that marriage has to be a choice. If you can terminate it halachically, it means that you have to choose it. Because you can also unchoose it. And that's part of marriage. If marriage is not by choice, it's not gonna be a marriage. It's gonna be a different type of relationship. The choice is part of what makes it a marriage. So marriage and an ongoing choice. So marriage there is an option. Huh? Because there are- yeah. And the interesting is that biblically the option is on men, not on women. Rabbi Nugereshim changed it. So Rabbi Eliyahu so men who don't understand Judaism think it's male chauvinistic, it's really the opposite. Men need the option traditionally more than women. Because women, it's easier for them emotionally. I'm not now mixing it with today's culture. The way it was, that Rabbi Negeshem changed it for, for practical reasons. But the way it, Rabbi Eliyahu Kitov writes this in his book, Ishu Base. men naturally are loners. They could be very easily loners and they give up on marriage. Relationships don't come always natural to them. For women, it's much more natural. Their uterus is also prepared to have babies every month, so they're in a relationship always. The word Rechem, Moom, comes from the word Rachem, rachmanas, Compassion. So when you tell a man, you can choose otherwise. If you want, you can get divorced today. You can give her a get. That allows him, then, to make a good choice, a healthy choice, a productive choice. The woman usually doesn't need that choice to choose the relationship. Men need that choice to be able to say, okay, is that what you want? Fine. Get divorced. And you can consider it, and you can talk about it, and you can bring it up, and then you can decide. Huh? Tavla Masev is for the woman. Mila Mesov Armalo, she wants to be together. Now, this doesn't mean... We're not talking about a case where the man is abusive and she can't handle it. Then the bezdin will force him to give a get. That's called... We're talking now biblically. We're not talking about that. In other words, if it's a dangerous marriage or a crazy marriage where the guy is not fulfilling his obligations, it's a different system. Then the Chazal will force him. The dysfunction that we have today with Gitin, right? People are blaming Judaism, but it's not really the fault of Judaism. The system of Judaism was a system that was supposed to work. We're just not implementing it based on our limitations and based on sociological pressures and based on corruption that men get away with murder, especially if they give money to the shul. They get away with murder. You understand what I'm saying? In an ideal system that follows money to the shul as opposed to the family. No, the guy, the guy is, is torturing his wife 20 years. He doesn't give a get, but he's getting alias and he's a, Upstanding member mm-hmm. of the community, and nobody utters a pip. Mm-hmm. A-, a pips. That's a that's a terrible travesty. That's a horrible travesty. That's the Aguna problem, right?
1: To to save them and go to prison because of that. Walmart.
0: Yeah, I'm saying. Uh, my point is that that's biblically in such a situation they would force to give a get. But we're talking about in a regular situation, the woman will work it out. And he needs the choice. That's why he has the choice. Rabbi Nugershim changed it. He said that you can't just divorce a wife. She has to agree. Unless it's a real serious. She's abusive, or he's abusive.
2: Before Gershom, um...
0: you, didn't, you don't need your wife's agreement. You can just give her a get and move on. The question is why? And the answer is, says, well, okay, because the Torah understood, yeah, that by giving him that option, you already neutralize most of the problems. Well, I think it's an interesting insight. Again, you have to understand the culture of the day. Today, it's a very different culture. If she's a bad, that's called battered woman syndrome. Battered woman syndrome. Right? So that's the idea. Rabbi Nagashim said you can't divorce a woman without her consent. Just like you need the consent of the man, you equally need the consent of the woman. You can't just. Why? Because he saw people who took halacha and they misconstrued it and manipulated it for their narcissistic benefits. They played games with it. Just like Hillel made a prusbel. Why? Halacha says you're not allowed to demand loans after sabbatical. All loans get cancelled. In the ideal society, God wanted that every seven years, everybody could restart. But he realized nobody's doing loans anymore. I'm not going to lend you money. <laughs> I'm not going to lend you money. So it's over. So that's it. So people are not ready for that state of consciousness. So what do you do? He made a perusal. You get the point? because That's what the Torah wanted. You should cancel the loans the seventh year. If you have the money, the other person doesn't have the money; can't pay you back. Cancel it. Let him start over again. It's interesting. On your on your credit rating, if you don't pay something, it only stays for seven years. Seven years, exactly. credit rating. Maybe it's connected. But he'll realize that we're 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 not uh, we're not going to get anywhere. You're abusing the system. Rabbi Nigershim saw. People are just divorcing their wives because I'm not. I don't want to get married anymore. I don't want to be married. I divorce her because they're in a place where they're manipulating the halacha. The halacha in Torah was written for a very ideal society of people who are working on themselves and people who want to do the best, and they need this option. But when it's being abused, you got to change it. So he said, you have to have the woman's consent. If not, every guy wakes up. I want a divorce. No, she has to agree. If they both agree, fine. Again, if she's abusing him, or conversely, then the authorities have to come in. That's a whole different picture. But we're talking about if there's not that abuse. He wants to get divorced. She doesn't want. I don't care. We're getting divorced. It doesn't work that way. She has to agree. If it's a miserable marriage, fine. You can both get divorced. That was Rabbi Nagar institution. But biblically, it's not that way. Marriage, you need her consent. Divorce not. Why? Why does the Torah change? You can't marry a woman without her consent, but you can't divorce. You could divorce her without her consent before everybody Nachman. What's the logic? So this is this is a very interesting explanation. Marriage, you need her consent because she's getting married. It's not a relationship without her consent. If you're forcing her to get married, it's not a marriage. It's a slave, right? But divorce is a whole different idea. It's not that you want to force her to get divorced. It's that the Torah felt that by giving him an option. He'll be able to choose marriage, and he'll be good. He'll be able to work on the marriage, because he'll feel the sense of separateness and independence to be able to choose it. Which in 90% of cases, or in 100%, she doesn't need. And again, if she does need, then you don't need his consent. Then Besden will mix in. If she really needs a divorce because of abuse, right? Then Besden has to mix in. But in a case where it's not that, it's just work, she doesn't need the option of divorce. And it's a very interesting insight with women. Unless they're traumatized or mentally unstable, uh, a woman often is very sensitive to what has, needs to be done to be worked on a marriage. I'm not talking about in extreme situations. They, 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 they sense the value of relationships very deeply and instinctively. I know it's not politically correct to say this, but it's the truth. Women instinctively are more in tune with relationships. There's more empathy. You see how they deal with babies and with children. Today you're not allowed to say anything about men and women. There's no differences, but you all know it's true. You could treat, you could, you could compare how a mother takes care of her babies to how a father takes care of babies. I'm not making a generalization. Some mothers are irresponsible and some fathers are amazingly responsible. But generally speaking, the gift of empathy and connection and relationships is a feminine gift.
2: Was there more divorces before Rabban Gershom?
0: Was this some reason? What- Listen, divorce in Judaism was always legislated. Unlike the Christians, who at a time prohibited divorce... In Judaism, it was always permissible.
2: Why, what prompted him to make that decision?
0: Because there were men who were manipulating the halacha. Just like today, there are men who manipulate the halacha with divorce. They keep their, they keep their wives suspended in limbo and uncertainty for 10, 15, 20 years. It's a travesty. Huh? He instituted monogamy, well, there's the whole story... But no, I think on a on a on a prince the, the the principle behind it is that No I think saw again a very deep reality that you know even one marriage will be hard to sustain and having a few marriages is just ah uh? yeah but all that is provided in the Torah the more ones they in the, Torah, it, the, the, Mormons, they yeah. in the the issue is this men are compartmentalized creatures women are not we have everything in the box we have many boxes yeah, yeah. yeah. men are compartments a fact trying to associate with when a man when a, when a man goes on a business trip yeah in his own mind I'm not going to say he's divorced, but every day a man goes to work like he goes to work now I'm at work his wife calls him. <laughs> And he has to remember that he's married. You know what I mean? <laughs> huh? Women are always connected. They're never disconnected. They're not compartmentalized creatures. That's why halachically, biblically, a woman can't marry two men. Why not? He can marry two wives. Let her marry two men. It won't work. The woman's whole soul is connected to the man. It's not half and half. That's what the, that's the biblical perspective. Rabbi Nugereshim thought that in reality, it's not going to be sustainable. This
1: class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.